0: Hi everybody, Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils Podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, proudly serving as the host of this fine program, a daily podcast devoted to Duke Athletics. Football season might be around the corner, but as we know, Duke very much so is a basketball school. We love talking about our Duke and the NBA guys. Yesterday, spent some time diving in to Luke Kennard and Grayson Allen, Marvin Bagley III, what those guys are up to. And on today's show, I want to take the chance to talk about the Charlotte Hornets with my good friend Walker Mill, one of the co-hosts for the Locked On Hornets podcast Walker, thanks for the time, man. How are
1: things? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. And it is so nice to hear that you got the seal of approval from one Dick Vitale. That is excellent. <laughs> I have heard him give some people the seal of approval, but not everybody, right? Like you got to really be on top of your game. And so I'm glad you have that. Put it in the intro. Showcase that thing. So you're, you're potting right, JJ. Like you're doing all of this very correctly, and I'm proud of you for doing so.
0: Walker, I do it every day. I mean, there's just <laughs> no better feeling than for Dick Vital of all people to tell you that you're awesome, baby. Oh, so like, good. how does that not fire you up? So uh,
1: I want one. I'm, I'm going to reach out <laughs> yeah. to him just to see. It doesn't mean I'm going to get it, but I'm going to reach out to see.
0: We got to see if we can make that happen. So, all right. So we're talking about uh, Mason Plumley. We'll start with him. Obviously, the year just ended uh, a few months back, and and his first season there really exclusively featured uh, in the mix for the Charlotte Hornets this past year. Tell me about Plumlee and what he was able to do this season.
1: All right. So being on a Blue Devils podcast, this is going to be the portion where you might not be so happy with me, but I promise there's going to be a portion coming up where you are happy (laughs) with me, where I am going to find myself in your good graces. Once again, this is not one of them. Mason Plumlee's old man, 31 years old, right? Never been the number one starting center that has been somebody that's getting to these All-Star appearances, but has had a long NBA career. We know him coming, you know, to Duke and then beyond, being a very athletic big guy, always being a very good passer. But This was one of the worst statistical years we had ever seen for Mason, his first and only year so far with the Charlotte Hornets. This past season, we saw his points per game go to an all-time low that includes his rookie season. We saw his free throw percentage dip uh, very much so. He's never been a, a, a strong defender and some, you know, maybe that's a little divisive. Some people think he's better than given credit for. I, I just think Mason Plumlee not the greatest out on the perimeter. He's not the greatest rim protector. And so I think the Charlotte Hornets really struggled with that. Now to his defense. The Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats have not had that rim protector in forever, hence why they drafted Mark Williams in the first round this past draft, uh, this past selection process. But yeah, I, I just think it was a really rough year for for Mason Plumlee. And I also think nobody really expected him to be the starter when he was traded for on draft night. It really felt like they were going to get that 37th overall pick that they used on JT Thor and take on Mason Plumley's salary because Detroit was trying to shed it at the time and Mason would be our backup center. Totally fine, right? In fact, a pretty good trade. But he ended up being the guy, you know, not like 25, 26 minutes per game, but they didn't have any depth except for PJ when they went small ball, PJ Washington. So, I thought it was a rough year, JJ. Like this is somebody with a long career in the NBA, you know, something to be proud of, just Yeah, you know, I thought it was a rough go uh, for him this past season.
0: It was over a decade ago in 2010 that Mason Plumlee was on a national championship winning team for Duke. So it's been quite some time Mm -hmm. since we saw him wearing that Duke uniform. And it's crazy to put the numbers out there. 31 years old. Is age the biggest reason you think that there was a bit of a drop off this season? Or was there something else involved?
1: I I think. I think one, one, Mason has never been a dominating player, but we are, I think, starting to see age come into effect. The free throw thing, (laughs) that was weird. So he's never been a good free throw shooter. He's a career coming into this past season, I think 57% shooter. But JJ went to 39 this past year. And it, it got so bad to the point where he switched hands. <laughs> we we saw him go to his left hand and become a better free throw shooter when he did so. Part of that was because of injury, but also it's like, what else do you have to lose? I mean, he shot 39% on the whole season, and that's after seeing an uptick when he switched to his left hand. It, the usage percentage was also further down than what we had seen from Mason in the past. That's with LaMelo, Terry, a, a backcourt dominated team. Um, and so it's not like you're giving it to him down low. Hey, go get me a bucket, Mason. So, yeah, I think age probably had a little bit to do with it. Also, this is, you know, Mason's never never been the guy where you're like, okay, yes, 100%, I want him to be a starting center. It, it's kind of been more towards, I don't know, maybe the 20th, 25th starting centers and leagues, but like a really high end backup for some cases. And, and I think you're starting to see both of those things really come into effect as he gets older.
0: So, I mean, the free throw thing, I'm glad you brought that up yeah. because I, I definitely was aware of that. I don't know that Duke fans uh still following uh, were aware of the fact that, yeah, this season he just switches. A right-handed player, his whole NBA career, his whole life, and all of a sudden he goes to the free throw line and shoots with his left hand. Just weird to see. You've never really seen anything like that before. I went talk, and just knowing your coverage of yeah. the Hornets, hearing these guys speak all the time, like was there anything in particular that Plumlee was talking about his struggles at the free throw line or just his play in general?
1: Well, he was asked about it a lot and I think Mason was a little embarrassed by it. I think it got in his head. And I look, this is not anything he said, but I do think it has to play with your mentality at some point, even for a free throw shooter as poor as he is. I mean, even for even for him, I think he got the yips. And when he was asked if he would go back to shooting with his right hand once his injury healed up. I think it was a wrist injury, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it was after a Boston Celtic game later in the year where the where the switch happened. Um, he said he wasn't going to go back. I mean, it was kind of working for him, comparatively so. And he wasn't going to go back. He was going to continue to use his left hand. And I think it, it might take some pressure off of him, too. It's like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm using my offhand. Can't get any worse. I'm starting to hit shots now. And so I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, I I think I think that really kind of got into his head, especially with if you're shooting 57 for your career, it's it's pretty hard to take a dramatic decrease. But that's exactly what happened. And so, yeah, I I just it, it was rough for him at the charity stripe. And hopefully that doesn't happen to him again, whether he's playing for the Hornets, you know, that he's on the roster right now or whether he's traded, because that's certainly a possibility, too.
0: We're talking about Mason Plumlee, his season that just ended, and then the Hornets also drafted another Duke guy And Mark Williams. We'll start to shift and transition our conversation after this first time out today here on Locked on Blue Devils. Locked on Blue Devils brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league. Including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, as we welcome you back in here to Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside Walker Mill, one of the co-hosts for the Locked On Hornets podcast. And I want to ask you this question about Mason Plumley because I have a feeling it will shift into our Mark Williams discussion. And as I've been doing with these NBA series reviews, what does the next year sort of look like for this player? And I would imagine that Mason Plumley's next season mm-hmm. is going to be impacted by Mark Williams, another Duke guy. That was drafted. So take that and run, Walker.
1: Yeah, we just did an episode not too long ago. We were doing the position previews. We got to the bigs. And right now, you're talking about Mason Plumley, Mark Williams, to a lesser degree, P.J. Washington, who plays a lot of center but small ball center. And then Nick Richards, who I don't think is going to be on this roster that much longer. So really, you're talking about Mason Plumley and Mark Williams. I think Mark Williams should start sooner rather than later. It doesn't mean at the beginning of the season he's going to come out and play 25 minutes a game, kind of like what Mason was doing at the at, during last season. But Mark Williams is such a good rim protector, and I'm going to be speaking to a lot of Duke fans that know this, but if you did not watch Charlotte Hornets Summer League, everything we liked about Mark rang true there. I thought defensively he was awesome. I thought he knew where to be. Just his standing reach being compared to Rudy Gobert, a 9-9 standing reach, which is absolutely absurd, and his wingspan being as long as he is. Also, having that little body fat is kind of insane. I, I've talked about that more than everyone else. I apologize if I keep saying it, but like, to have less than 6% body fat at 7-1 while having a 9-9 standing reach is unreal it translates into him actually having better athleticism than people that are that big and understanding where to be defensively, certainly, and drop coverage. Man, you had—he was in the mind of so many guards that drove into the paint where you would just start fast-break opportunities because Mark Williams is on the floor. A guard would go into the paint, see him— Not know when to shoot. Okay, man, that hand came out of nowhere. All right, let me pass. Man, I was a little late kicking out. There'd be a guard that got in the passing lane, all because that guard that drove was scared of Mark being in the paint. And just that presence alone is going to help the Hornets next year. Yeah, he's going to be playing a lot tougher competition when you talk about regular season NBA compared to summer league. But I do think that he brings a skill set that Mason just doesn't have. He doesn't have that kind of defensive prowess. He doesn't have that ability to affect the game defensively like Mark Williams does. So I, I hope that if you don't want to give veterans minutes to a young guy coming in immediately, okay. But I, I hope we get to Mark Williams playing more minutes at the center spot than Mason Plumley like pretty early if we're you know maybe game 20 or something like that, assuming that, The development, you know, kind of is on an escalator and we continue to see Mark improve.
0: Yeah, it's so funny to think about both of these guys now being on the same team, both playing for Duke, and it's so fun and uh, at different stages of their career, right? We mentioned Mason Plumley at 31 years old, and here's Mark entering the league after two seasons of college basketball. And, And to sort of remind folks once again, back during the pre draft process, I let folks know, hey, I just went on Locked on Hornets. We talked about uh, Mark Williams. What a fun opportunity that was for me to join your show, Walker. And the body fat was something that I explicitly remember telling everybody <laughs> when I was yeah.
1: doing kind of my my hits for well, Mark why Williams. Why are we so obsessed? Post-press. I can't help it. I'm sorry. It's I just say like it over that. and over
0: again, man. It's unbelievable.
1: Well, it's the athleticism that – right? Like it translates to athleticism, which is why it's so impressive. Not too many people are that tall and also have – The ability to go finish at the rim. You know, what's funny is when we talk about Summer League, JJ, clearly competition is going to be so much better compared to the NBA regular season. But I would argue offensively, it's going to be a lot easier for Mark Williams than it was during the Summer League. Like, as weird as that may sound, one thing we destroyed the Hornets for in this Summer League session, I thought the roster was constructed really poorly. You didn't have a whole lot of ball handlers out there. You didn't have a whole lot of spacing. And I think that really hurt Mark Williams, especially when he just doesn't have any space to move around. And it's not like the greatest with the basketball in his hands. I think he's a better passer than given credit for. I think he's got better touch than given credit for, um, you know, really throughout his due career. You're still not wanting him to go Al Jefferson on the block and just, hey, do a couple post moves and get me a bucket. So when you have LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward. That's a lot of shooting. It's also a lot of people that are capable of handling the basketball. Man, Mark Williams is going to be by himself down low. It's going to be easier for him offensively. He's got to finish a lot better than he did this summer league session. He finished with the most dunks of anybody in college basketball last year. And it, the, the finishing didn't translate to the very small, mind you, five-game sample size that took place in, the, in this paddle session they had. But I, I expect that to come along. I expect the offense to, to work a lot better for them. Yeah, like I, I, I'm excited. I, I liked the pick. I was a huge fan of Jalen Duran too, out of Memphis offensively I, I just think he probably was a little bit more polished but I, I do really like Mark Williams as a prospect I was higher than the consensus and I'm happy he's a Charlotte Hornet
0: yeah I'm glad that you were able to bring up sort of the summer league because I think that was something that maybe Duke fans didn't necessarily stay as plugged in with to see how the transition went for a guy like Mark Williams but the 96 dunks as you alluded to from this past season And the other stat that I keep loving to throw out to people, Walker, talking about what he was able to do this past season, Mark Williams was the only player in America to shoot greater than 70% from both the floor and the free throw line. Like, I think any team's going to be thrown up with that if you can have that type of production, given his size and what you're asking him to do on the offensive end.
1: Uh, Totally. And I I think when you watch him finish strong, I think – you know i think he does have a little bit of a nasty streak like that that's not what mark williams is just putting a microphone in his face when he's in the media scrums he doesn't come across as this nasty dude he's quite pleasant to talk right. to like I, you can't help but not love him right i mean if you don't like him as far as his character goes then it's probably you who is the problem but you know on on the court you know he'll dunk and yell in your face you know, he, he's not going to back down from anybody. He'll bang. You know, like, it, it's, not, it's not like he's going to shy away from any physicality. And I think the NCAA tournament run, one of the reasons I liked Mark Williams a lot was because of the improvement that constantly took place with him. Last 10 games of his freshman season really showcased that talent. Comes back this sophomore year. Really was pretty good. And then I think had a strong NCAA tournament run, especially against Michigan State. Gives me the Dirk Nowitzki step-back fader on the baseline. <laughs> I think you saw a lot of his passing ability just on short rolls and even just you know being mindful of guys that were cutting towards the basket. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do with space. He even said himself, I asked him this during um, a practice uh, media availability. He said, yeah, like I, I think I like the space. I, I think it should make things easier as far as decision-making goes. Already a smart player, um, I, I I'm excited to see what he can do. Like we we we've been needing this type of player for so long in Charlotte, and, and I I don't want to put unfair expectations on him during his rookie season. I, I just I've just been so starved for rim protection, JJ. Like I want it now, and so that that's what I'm hoping to get from Mark Williams.
0: Well, I think you might have got it because he's yeah, really good at it, and and it's been so much fun to see him. Over the two seasons, you mentioned the last 10 games of his freshman year. His last game of the freshman season goes out with 23 points and 19 rebounds and really set it up for the sophomore year that we just saw. Comes from the big basketball family, like we talk about. His sister Elizabeth has her jersey number retired (laughs) in the rafters at Cameron Indoor, one of the very few women's players to have that honor at Duke and now uh, playing in the WNBA herself. She was the first person right there by Mark Williams' side with the rest of his family when he was drafted. So, Walker, take me back to draft night. When we go back to draft night, did you ultimately think he would be a Charlotte Hornet?
1: Um, you know, draft night was a whole bunch of different night of emotions for me. I I really like Jalen Duran. I, I liked Mark Williams. I would have chosen Jalen Duran if they were both available and they were because. I, I think Durin more athletic. I think offensively has a little bit better potential, maybe not even the shooting potential, but he's just more athletic and I thought he could get out of the floor faster. There were a few things. It did not both things are true here. Really like Mark Williams, just really like Jalen Durin. I got more angry at the trade for the Hornets than so the player they decided on. If you like Mark Williams better, fine. You know, there were plenty of draft evaluators that thought that. The the whole not wanting to bring in two young players and instead because of the shift you were going to take this next year, trying to become a postseason team thinking two young players were going to be the detriment to that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then eventually you get a worse Denver Nuggets pick that is lottery protected. Um, so I just didn't like more. So the trade, I thought Jalen Dern was going to be a Charlotte Hornets, uh, Charlotte Hornet once he was available. You know, if you were to ask me coming into the draft I, I would have thought it was Mark Williams, but Duran fell, and I thought eventually he would be that selection. So, yeah, it was a very weird draft night for the Hornets. Very weird, because they also have the trade-up for Bryce McGowan's. Just a couple things I didn't expect from them.
0: And ultimately walk away with Mark Williams, yeah. a part of the Charlotte Hornets franchise. Now you've got two Duke guys and Mason Plumlee and Mark Williams. We're going to take one more timeout on Lockdown Blue Devils today, and we'll wrap up the show right after this. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Blue Devils here today and making us your first listen and first watch each and every day. Get more of the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day with host Candace Cooper and the local experts. For example, I'm on the Tuesday show every single week. We take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Locked On ACC, football season is here. Make sure you make Locked On ACC your second listen today. Welcome back in here to Locked On Blue Devils, JJ Jackson, alongside Walker Mell, the co-host for Locked On Hornets. So I just want to kind of talk about Duke guys that Mm. have had parts of their career in the city of Charlotte to close us out here, Walker. You've been a longtime Hornets slash Bobcats fan yourself growing up there in the state. And looking back, you've got Mark Williams and Mason Plumlee now on the team. I'll remind you of some names here. Vernon Carey Jr. just played for the Hornets uh, a few seasons back. We heard uh, a lot of years from Gerald Henderson, obviously starring for the Bobcats. Miles Plumlee even had a cup of coffee with the Hornets. Um, And then one of my favorites, you look at the 2012-2013 Bobcats that make it to the playoffs Sweat by the heat. We don't have to talk about that. But the big fella starting alongside Al Jefferson was Josh McRoberts, who I just absolutely adore. So I just wanted to hear Walker Mills thoughts on all the Duke guys. That have donned that Charlotte Hornets jersey over the years.
1: I forgot about McRoberts, and I <laughs> yeah. did like him. I completely forgot about you know he. Josh McRoberts is actually you know he's from Carmel, Indiana. Was a really t- highly touted right. uh, high school Absolutely. prospect, and you know that's my neck of the woods. I'm from Indianapolis, so he's you know from Carmel, and I knew him going to Duke. It's like okay, I get to watch him back home. This is going to be <laughs> awesome to watch him. And then in the NBA, it doesn't really work out. But that one year, JJ, right? Like that 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 was the year where Steve Clifford absolutely fell in love with him. He was so good, you know, was a versatile big guy, could be your point forward, an excellent passer. Speaking of giving you nasty, like we know McRoberts had no problem doing that. <laughs> if you were to ask me my favorite year from a Duke guy, that might be it. Yeah, because it it's not. I mean. You know, no disrespect to Gerald Henderson. I don't remember a, an, an impactful year like Josh McRoberts had that one season with Steve Clifford. I think that ultimately got him paid going to Miami, and Clifford was mad. I think Cliff, it, it was part of the many disagreements that he had with the front office at that time and Rich Cho and and didn't like that. Um, so more so, yeah, comp, You know, I, I think the other guys that, that come to mind, like when you talk about Vernon Carey, I always thought he should have been given a better shot there um so you know I, th- I thought and sorry my dogs are fighting in the background of course that's what's taking place but um but Vernon Carey I always thought should have been given more of a, of a shot because I liked his offense you know he had the one game against Brooklyn where he scores over 20 right I, I always liked him more than Nick Richards who ultimately the Hornets decided to keep in that Ish Smith trade sending Vernon to Washington but yeah like the name that sticks out to me the most is Josh McRoberts like that's a pleasant trip down memory lane
0: and you think about that year that he had with the Bobcats and from the Duke perspective, just totally different than what we saw in played like, two seasons for Duke yeah. uh, in his college years, you know, the lefty, a buzz cut. I mean, just your, your
1: typical <laughs> right. Duke basketball. Very different from his Bobcat of, long so hair. So
0: different. Yeah. I mean, full <laughs> facial hair. And then, the flow that he was rocking.
1: No, he was rocking it, man. It looked so good (laughs) as that thing was just waving in the wind that was caused by his speed down the court. Yeah, excellent. So good to see Josh McRoberts be an impactful player.
0: Let me me get you out of here with Gerald Henderson. You mentioned him just a little bit, and he's such an integral part of the Charlotte community now at this point that his playing days are over. And, I mean, what a fun player he was for Duke for three years. I can think of – some incredible dunks that he had in ACC play. Uh, and then the fact that, you know, again, I've said this multiple times, I'm a Charlotte Hornets Bobcats fan my whole life. As many Duke people are growing up in the state, that one of our guys was a top 10 pick by Charlotte and played there for so many seasons. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there were moments where you wanted a little bit more out of Henderson, but uh, still pretty pleased with the number of years they got out of him.
1: Yeah. He played during a really unfortunate time. That's just how it is. And if you look at his impact, he would get to 12, 13, even 15 points per game during his averages here with the Bobcats. But I you know, I, I kind of made that comparison to McRoberts Roberts having more of an impact. you know, being a facilitator, being a ball mover, you know, somebody that Steve Clifford really liked, it's just that Henderson kind of played in an era where the Bobcats, you know, they were really bad, you know, the the seven and 59 squad, the the worst winning percentage of all time in association history, you know? So, so those numbers, they rung a little hollow, which is, you know, unfortunate for Gerald because he could only do the best he could with what he had. And it wasn't a very good roster at that point, but yeah, like now I think he had the, you know, one or two years broadcasting for the Hornets on Fox sports, you know, doing a really good job alongside Ashley Shabity. And, you know, so he is a part of the Charlotte community, but it's just, it's really unfortunate that that was the time, right? Like they just, you know, Gerald Wallace was the head guy, you know, I, Steven Jackson, I think he was on that team, you know, with the, both of those yeah. players, you know, leading them to a playoff appearance before, um, you know, eventually they would get bounced very early and very quickly. So yeah, I, I, I more so just think about, Hey, player that actually gave you some decent numbers. It just, they, they couldn't amount to any winning because the Bobcats organization, it just it just was not as good as any other franchise at that time.
0: But things are changing. We, things are changing. They're hope looking so. up Lock for on the one. Hornets. We yeah. hope so. And uh, we've got Plumlee and Mark Williams mm-hmm. in the mix for this upcoming season. Walker, this has been a whole lot of fun. Thank you again for taking some time to join me on the show today.
1: Hey, great talking uh, to you again, JJ. I really appreciate it.
0: That's Walker Mel joining us here on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. That does it for another week here of Locked On Blue Devils. Thank you so much for all your support. Be sure to share this video with your friends. Give us a five-star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform and more. That's gonna do it for today's show. As always, go do a talk to you Monday. I use JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.